if I can uh, kind of move away from my notes for a moment, um, I just want us to be reminded of the fact that God is here and God is moving in marvelous ways. And sometimes we can't even comprehend all that God is doing. Um, Cliff gave this testimony. It was a beautiful story of how God continued to provide for you. Um, and then we sang, you all, can you tell which hymn we sang together? In the bulletin, it's there. What did we, it is well with my soul. Uh, do you know the story behind it? It's about a man who wrote the story, uh, who wrote these words, it is well with my soul, as he was traveling. He was on a ship, and he came to the same spot where his wife's uh, ship was sunk because of a shipwreck, and he was in agony, uh, and he writes, it is well with my soul. The images uh, of the hymn are all about being taken up in the storm of life. So God is at work, and that was perfect uh, timing. Um, and when we picked the hymn, we didn't know Cliff was going to be uh, sharing his story as well. <clears throat> so God is here. All right. <clears throat> Gives me chills. <laughs> so today uh, we are continuing our journey, reading through the Gospel of Mark. Um, last week it was revealed to us that Jesus is the Messiah. First it was revealed to us through the uh, Gospel of Mark that Jesus was a teacher. He cast out demons. Then he healed. And finally, he's an, he is the Messiah. The anointed one. The one who will save his people uh, from their sins. And Ash Wednesday, uh, when we gathered and we uh, read about uh, the scripture, it was a scripture that we picked up right after Jesus was transfigured. Uh, when Jesus and the disciples were up on the mountain, something else was happening um, on ground, in the valley, if you will. Um, there was a man who came and asked Jesus, uh, asked the disciples to heal his son. Uh, his son had epilepsy, and Jesus tells them, that certain requests, certain prayer requests are only heard through fasting and praying. And as Jesus was teaching them about his future as to what awaits him, the disciples were arguing about who the greatest was. And Jesus tells them, following Jesus is not about you, it is about serving. We can never make this about me, uh, but rather it is about serving those around us. And this morning, we're looking at another interaction that Jesus had with a young man. Um, and Jesus teaches us about uh, what it means to have treasures, um, of what it means and what is the relationship we need to have with the treasures that we hold dear to our hearts. And we need to make a choice. All right. One of my mentors um, used to tell me this. Um, simple, powerful statements. He would kind of uh, talk to me. His name is Glenn Wadel. Uh, we would talk a lot about church and leadership. Uh, he worked for IBM and did extremely well. Uh, and he did a lot of leadership stuff. And he would kind of cross-reference and see how um, leadership uh, in church and the business world, how they collide together, how they come together, and all that. And one of the things that he would uh, say to me as a leader, just be mindful of this. He said, don't ask a question if you don't like the answer, if you're not going to like the answer. Think about that. Don't ask a question if you don't like what the answer is going to be. Don't ask it. You know, I, uh, if you want the answer to be X, 
then don't ask the question. Just do what you want to do. Over the years, I've kind of realized this in my own life. Uh, my supervisors have uh, asked us some questions. Uh, they would say, hey, we're trying to figure this out. What do you think? Um, and we would kind of bring a team together uh, in... Um, uh, and um, we would do all this work. Uh, we would sit together, plan, and say, okay, we're trying to go in this direction. This is what our supervisor asked us. You know, let's figure out a way to do it. And after doing all that work and after thinking about it and coming up with a beautiful solution, which I think is a beautiful solution, uh, which is, can be debatable, but the question was asked. So we worked together and we came up with an answer, only to hear our supervisor say, never mind, we're going in a different direction. It's very frustrating. Have you ever been there? Right? Like, it's so frustrating. It's like, then why did you ask? Why did you ask? I spent all this time trying to figure out an answer for the question you posed. Why did you ask? And here, I think it's the same thing. Jesus' encounter with this young man, right? He comes with a question about him, about what needs to happen. And Jesus gives an answer. So I want to go back to our map. Uh, so last on Wednesday, we looked at this area. It's a, it's a region of Galilee that you see in the middle. That is where Jesus has spent most of uh, these eight chapters, that, uh, 10 chapters so far. Um, and then Jesus starts to, uh, we learn that Jesus predicts his death. That's what we learned on Wednesday. Uh, and he's moving towards Jerusalem. So he's traveling southward. So to the area of Judea. So that's where Jesus is right now when this interaction is taking place. Jesus entered the region of Judea. This is where, these are some of the cities that are familiar to us. It's Jerusalem, Bethany, Bethlehem, Jericho. These are all the stories that we've heard about. So that's the region. It's to the south, closer to the Dead Sea. So Jesus is traveling uh, south. And Jesus' fame has, is growing as well. Jesus' fame is growing as well as many people followed him and were eager to hear what Jesus was about to teach them. In Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 31, is this story about a young man. And some Bible translations kind of give this title saying, rich man uh, in the kingdom of God. So that's what this story is. So let's look at the story a little bit closely. Verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, we don't know which actual city he's in, but he's in that region of Judea. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees, right? This young man was seeking an answer that was keeping him up at night. He knew there was an answer. He knew that there was more to life than what he was doing. And he felt like Jesus was teaching about eternal life. That's something that we uh, hear Jesus say. And this young man wanted to know what thou, that was about. So he comes up to Jesus. He runs to Jesus. That means there is a sense of urgency. There is a sense of urgency. He wants to know the answer right now. He runs to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? See, this young man, he is living in the area of Judea, right? Like right there in that area. He could have asked this question to a lot of other people. 
He could have gone to Jerusalem. There are a lot of scholars, biblical scholars are there. There are a lot of priests that are there. He could have gone and asked them, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? And I love how he addresses Jesus. He falls on his knees. That's an act of worship or reverence, respect. And then goes on to give him this title. He goes on to say, good teacher. Jesus quickly picks up on this title, good teacher. Jesus asks in verse 18, why do you call me good? For no one is good except God alone. Why do you call me good? If we read the Torah or the Hebrew scriptures over and over again, it is communicated the God that we worship is good. When we read Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for our God is good. The God that we worship is a good God. And Jesus is asking this young man, do you really mean what you're saying? Do you really see me as good? Meaning, do you really see me as a son of God? As a son of God. How do you see him? Because if you see Jesus as the son of God, you're going to pay attention to what he has to say. There's more weight to his statements. Because he's not an ordinary human being. He's more. He's good teacher. Right? So far, we've been revealed who Jesus was. He was a teacher, a healer, a Messiah, or the son of God. And now Jesus is asking this young man, do you see me as the Messiah? This morning, I want to pause and ask us this question. How do you see Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Do you see him as a teacher, someone who did good things? Or do you see him as a son of God? Because if you recognize him as a good God, then what he's asking us to do next we need to take seriously. Jesus responds to this young man, urging him to follow the law. That's it. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns around and says, here it is. Follow the law. The Old Testament, the first five books are called the Torah, and it had all the laws that were written in him, and they were supposed to follow those laws. And that's what, that's it. That's as simple as that can be. And he quickly responds and says, you know what? I've been doing this. I've been doing this all my life. I've been following the laws all my life. But there's something that he lacks. And here it is. There was this thing called the Shema that people had to say. This was a prayer that the Jewish people said um, sometimes morning and evening. And this is what it read. It comes to us from Deuteronomy 6.4. This was part of what it means to follow the law. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be taken to your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk to them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. And bind them on your foreheads. 
Write them on your door frames, your houses, and on your gates. This is the Shema. All who call Yahweh God of the Old Testament, they are called to love him with all their heart, soul, and strength. This young man kept all the laws, but I think this is where he lacked. He didn't know what it meant to love God with all his heart, mind, and soul. We see in Old Testament passages, especially during the season of Lent, we are reminded that some that Jewish people kept the law, but they really didn't love the God like the Shema called them to. This is what we read in Joel chapter 2. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Verse 13, render your heart, not your garments. Return to your God. He's gracious and compassionate. The prophet Joel is saying to these people, you are doing everything the law requires you to do, but you don't love God. Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God is one. Love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. This young man who comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to, eternal, uh, to inherit eternal life? He kept the law, but did not love God. He's called to love God with all his heart, mind, and soul. And that's what was lacking. That's what was missing here. And I love how Jesus addresses him. He's kind of justifying himself. Even though it's clear and evident that he didn't love God with all his heart, mind, and soul. I love how Jesus addresses him. Jesus does a few things in this story, right? First, he establishes his authority that he is God. And the young man recognizes him as a good teacher. Being called rabbi was a term of honor in those days. And yet, I love how Jesus addresses him. Jesus looks at him lovingly. And here is this rich young man standing on his knees, wanting an answer, justifying that he's done all these wonderful things, even though we know he didn't love God. Here, Jesus looks at him lovingly. There is no condemnation. There is no judgment from Jesus. None of that. And he tells them, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. Sell all your possessions and follow me. You lack one thing. Sell all your possessions and follow me. And he walked away from Jesus. For he had a lot of possessions is what we read. This is what we read in Matthew uh, chapter 6 verse 19 to 20. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Where moths and vermin destroy. Where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This young man's treasure is where his heart was. It was in earthly possessions. His heart belonged to all the stuff that he had owned. He had more concern for his possessions than loving God. The question that I would like us to consider this morning as we look at this story about this young man who did not love God, rather he loved more of his possessions. That's where his heart was. The question that I would like to ask us to consider and ponder this week is, is there anything in our lives that we love more than God? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.